0: It's like the train ride from Erie to South Bend or Erie to Chicago. Um, mm. And again, it was just like the only place there was ever like any sort of like metropolitan kind of area. It was Cleveland. And it was the most depressing part of the train ride. Like Cleveland has its virtues, but it's a depressing, depressing town. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's the areas like that are always kind of fun. But yeah, so it's uh, fun I mean, or
1: very specific sense of the word by which not fun at all but i mean to each their own
0: they're, they're sure. not fun to you they're fun to <laughs> okay. me
2: um, okay fine <laughs> interesting yeah I I,
0: I I sometimes find my people in like places like that i have no idea how but i do um you but yeah, yes uh but yeah so we can get started if you guys are if you guys are ready
1: yeah let's go for it
0: <laughs> all right so um Hello and welcome back to another episode of Dark Waters, a literary podcast focused on dark fiction and those who love to read and write it. I'm Nate here as always with Kirsten. Hey. And we're very happy to introduce our guest today, Nikki Dolson. Hiya. <laughs> Nikki is the author of the novel All Things Violent and the story collection Love and Other Criminal Behavior. Her stories have appeared in Vautrin, TriQuarterly, Tough, Thuglit, and other publications. Her fiction has been nominated for a Derringer Award and her story, Neighbors was selected for Best American Mystery and Suspense 2021. She lives in Las Vegas, Nevada with her children. You can find her at NikkiDolson.com and is at NikkiDolson on Instagram and Twitter. And is there anything else that we should know about uh, your career thus far that you'd like to share with uh, the listeners?
2: Uh, I'm old. (laughs) 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 That's about it. Uh, uh, Yeah, (laughs) I feel old. I am old. I'm squarely looking at 50, which maybe isn't that old, but I have three kids. So there's a multiplier factor that goes into age when so many kids. Yeah. Sorry.
1: It's like dog years and it just keeps
2: getting worse. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Yes. Somebody said, oh my God, you don't look like you're old enough to have a kid, a senior in high school. And I'm like, oh my God, my oldest turns 27 this year. (laughs) 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 So I'm like, this is what I did with my twenties. I had kids. So there you
1: go. <laughs> I mean, as long as you like your kids,
2: I do. Bit. They're great. I mean, you know, the older they get the, you know, the relationships change On not. And my, my eldest, my daughter and I we're we've become um, good friends. Um, she, she still occasionally crosses that line where we have to reassert our roles again, <laughs> but um, you know, she's, she's, a really great kid, um, full-grown adult, she is. But she's um, come into her own, and that's been really cool to see. Um, my middle one, uh, my son uh, Everett, is doing the same. You know, it's it's you know, you you get older, you gotta figure out what the world is to you and how to be in it. And and watching that is occasionally painful. And you know, there's a lot of sitting on my hands because I can't do the all, all for them um right. but but um they're all my kids are great they're they're figuring themselves out and uh are vaguely amused that their mother plays video games and kills people in fiction
0: <laughs> <laughs> i wish my mom was like that sometimes i not gonna be wrong i love my mother but like kills people in fiction and plays video games nice touch um uh, <laughs> know.
1: i feel like if i ever walked in on my mom like playing call of duty i'd just be like I'm gonna walk Shut- away. I'm just gonna like walk slowly back out of the room. Shut the door. Bye. <laughs> Maybe like sprinkle some holy water.
0: <laughs> It'll be fine. Back away yeah. slow. This isn't real. <laughs> <laughs> like they're sort yeah. certain, of certain, it's they're sort well, she's things. gonna
1: love that joke when she listens to this it's gonna be great. <laughs> but um away from me and that uh so we would love to hear about your body of work but first we want to get to know you a bit better as a writer and as a reader so because this is what we do what do you normally classify under the header of dark fiction why do you love it what are you specifically looking for when you're looking for a new book in that genre
2: um hard choices um and and just the the just really that classic you know somebody's in a bad position already and then they just continue to make bad choices and they just dig themselves deeper um and then somebody comes in to help them dig that hole bigger and they don't recognize it no i'm gonna do this thing and it's gonna be fine and we're gonna help you and they're really just helping them dig that hole so they can then bury them and take the money and go or whatever they're after but truly it's it's just the bad decisions that um drag them down that's 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 really all i i care about i'm like oh somebody steals something but what happens oh okay they end up dead in the desert i'm in (laughs) 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 always
0: so it's 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 not not the crime it's the attempt to cover it up that always kind of gets you
2: yeah
1: consequences
2: yes i mean it's like you know with any like any heist, you know it's not the 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 heist itself that's terribly like you know. Of course, they have to get it, or somebody has to get it, or I feel like it's a it's not a heist if you don't actually make it out with it. But it's the how it goes wrong after, and maybe it's the people you brought together in the beginning, you know, all that 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 early setup, but how it goes wrong, you know, who Did betrays you?
1: you. Go ahead. Yeah. I was going to ask if you'd ever read, as ever saw, sorry, it was a Spanish show on Netflix called Money Heist.
2: I've seen a couple episodes of that. I'm behind. I have to get into that again. But yes. Yes. Isn't that the one that they had like an, an underwater um, theft? Like they steal from it. Was not there, or was it later on? I saw something.
1: I don't know if it was underwater, but they're <laughs> stealing from the mint. Like they're printing all the money. Mm-hmm um sorry just like as you were saying like what goes wrong and I was like oh that show where they literally have 12 hours of everything that could possibly go wrong
2: yes yes I mean it's the that's the point of a good heist to me it's the fact that it's all going to go wrong and really you're just waiting to see when it happens who's going to betray who you know are they really that close knit crew or are they really you know are their secrets going to tear them apart it's it's really that, like, there's always somebody who's going to do something that tears them apart and I'm just here for it with my popcorn. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, that's, that's what I want. It's what I want. Um, you know, a, a good twist is always great. Um, you know, the, the, you know it's, it's not the femme fatale who does it, but it's, you know, I don't know, it's their dad who sells them out, you know, cause dad's been all nice in the corner. That's the kind of stuff I live for. And really, when you think about it, or the way I think about it, it's high melodrama. I mean, it's it's just the stuff of daytime soap opera, too. <laughs> you know, it's that that terrible choice that makes for the best uh, pain, I guess. Really. <laughs> Darkness, too. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Interesting uh, what was the last
0: book you read that left you heartbroken in pieces or had you keep all the lights on in the house for an indefinite period
2: of time? Oh, um, I don't do a lot of scary fiction, but my in- instant go-to, it would be Steve, the last Stephen King I read, but because I'm so chicken, I can't, I can't, I can't read a lot of it. I really am. To, I have terrible nightmares and I do not feed it, but I love Stephen King. Um, God, and I'm drawing a blank. Uh, um, and it was years ago because I don't even remember the name of the book, but he wrote a book about uh, the character is in a terrible car accident and has and goes away to learn um, how to live in the world again after that and art that saves him. Um, and I'm sure later I will instantly remember, maybe I should just Google it. But at any rate, <laughs> The whole, what I loved about it was that art, like the first half of the book is simply him getting over it and learning how, uh, uh, falling in love with art and um, how it helps heal him. Um, And then like the back half, it's like, you know, it's king. So it's all in there. But the back half of that is like this house that like tries to kill him and kills his kid. And it's like cursed and it's a whole thing, but it is so... (laughs) I like laid in bed listening to this cause I couldn't put it down. And I was just like gripping my then husband's like arm, like, oh my God, oh my God, <laughs> to go on? And I just, it finished. And I just laid there in the dark going, why did I do this to myself? It was terrible. <laughs> like, cause I'm such like, I dreamed about it for weeks. You know, he had a kid in the book and I'm looking at my kids going, I don't know what i do without you, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I tortured myself with a really great story um was it called Duma Key thank you (laughs) yes
1: (laughs) yeah that sounds really really good like especially because it doesn't necessarily it's not like heartbreaking because it's terrifying or heartbreaking because of whatever it's just like the emotions of it
2: yes yes and and really the the that art whatever you choose to make your art um can save you can heal you can can let you get your demons out in different ways that is healthy for you um and i really uh take that to heart um i don't often kill people that i know in my fiction but occasionally and it's good for me i think i don't go to jail i might make a couple bucks and you know i i entertain
0: (laughs) you you very much do and there's a there's it's it's incredibly cathartic when you can pull it off because you because yes it may disturb some people but very rarely are you writing like they're, like the stories where you're you're killing certain people off that you have like interactions with in your real life you're not writing those for other people sometimes you're writing them for yourself absolutely it, yeah <laughs> that, that is purely an act of self-indulgence that can sometimes be a very very entertaining romp for other people. I'm not yeah. speaking from personal experience or anything, but sometimes it's
2: incredibly, incredibly cathartic. <laughs> Most definitely. Yes. Yes. It, it keeps me from not hurting anybody, not hitting them with my van. Um, you know, it keeps me civil when I'm like, you know what? I'm going to take all these feelings I have about what you're saying and I'm going to put it in something. So we're just going to knock that down, use it later, mm-hmm. use it later. <laughs>
0: just compartmentalize and then go and deploy it somewhere else.
2: Yeah. I mean, honestly, that's where I put all of my dating frustrations. <laughs> 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 that is easily a large section of my work is just, you know, I always have written about love and what people won't do for love and would do for love to keep it, um, to take it from somebody else. But there's a definite like, you know, through line through some of the stories where it's all about the dating part of it. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. No, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm the same way. I'm, I'm very much the same way.
1: Listen, I'm not going to say I completely understand what you're talking about. I'm just like, mm, mm.
0: <laughs> Just holding it in. Just like. Tr- oh, yeah.
1: Tr- I'm just, I'm, I'm not not saying it either. <laughs> <laughs>
0: some somewheres in between
1: <laughs> schrodinger's dating profile
0: it's they are both single and not single at the exact same time and you will only find out which one they are when you match with them yes <laughs> oh, man. oh good lord that's a hell of a physics experiment <laughs> uh-
1: since we're all smiling and laughing right now what's the last book you read that left you with a positive impression of the
2: world oh um uh becky chambers to be fortunate uh to be taught if fortunate it's this little slim little sci-fi book um science fiction book and it is I kept like i come from like noir and hard fiction and things like that and i expect like i kept waiting for something bad to happen and it does happen but it's not um people aren't the cause of that um um it's situational and and you know, there's these explorers and earth is dying and you know everybody comes together to st- they'll make space travel happen and they go see other worlds and there is life on other planets and they report back. Um, And really it's, it's a story of hope and why we still hope. And it like the first time I read it, I was like, eh, all right, whatever. But I keep coming back to it. And every time I do, I get, I'm, I'm comforted by the idea that these people chose to go out into space. and there's no real conflict between them. They're doing their job. They have, they take, they derive great joy from what they do. And um, even though bad things are happening, they find a way to stay together and to to help each other through these bad times. And it was just like, it's just this little sneak attack of a book. (laughs) It really, like, it It got me. And and now I'm just like, every, I need something light. And I, like, shove it at people every time. So, so that is it. Um, You're
1: a nicer friend than me and Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> Here, take the happy book. Everyone read the happy book.
2: I also tell people to read Burn Coat by Sarah Hall, which is just <laughs> this vicious, like, heart-rending book about um, her version of what covid looked like in in the world she made up because she wrote it right as lockdown was happening she started it uh, and okay. it's it's they're in i, I want to say london um or in those surrounds like that um and and you get like her history a little bit and she's this artist and in that version of the world the the sickness that causes lockdown eventually comes back like uh the secondary infection kills everyone who ever got it like flat if you got it there is actually no escape for you and they don't (laughs) you know you like survive the initial sickness and you're like great we're all fine it still comes back to kill you later and that's where you meet this character at but it's it's this everything that happened right as she got sick and as the world was shutting down and it is beautiful and it is heart-wrenching and, and it's just like why am I doing this to myself next page <laughs> <laughs> I mean and it's I mean and there is um just the writing's great and there is just you know intense sex and I'm like I should like y'all should get a room and I shouldn't be watching but you read it like it's so great um but it is really hard and I've read it once and I, I have not gone back to it and it is just, it's a lot, but it is worth it.
1: <laughs> it's kind of like the, um, the reading equivalent of like having your hands up over your eyes and then like
2: peeking out. Like, exactly. It can't
1: hurt me if I'm only looking at it through like a slit. Right?
2: Yeah. I did not know that it was about, like, I knew there was a, like a sickness, but I was like, oh, let's get into it. The cover is pretty. Why not? And I went into it pretty blind um, and just, I stuck with it because the the words were beautiful and the story she was telling was beautiful. And I, had I known, I would have put it off with all those other like COVID related books that I'm not touching. Cause I'm not ready. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there's um, that's, that's how they get you when the cover is like very, very beautiful. Then you're just kind of like, I'm, I'm kind of drawn in. Um, there's a, principle that i i heard from uh like one of those like random videos you see like on social media um one was from an emer- like a an emergency physician who had done like a course in uh wilderness medicine and the, the video was of someone holding like a blue ringed octopus in the middle of bali or something like that oh, he was like yeah. yeah he yeah he was like that is one of the most dangerous creatures on the face of the earth and we have a principle of like if it if it looks, if it's colorful and it's beautiful, you should just leave it alone. Cause if nature didn't bother to hide it, it doesn't care about you. Like <laughs> that's kind of how the book cover is. When it's, when it's very, very beautiful, it's gonna draw you in, it's gonna kill you at some point.
2: That is an excellent point and very true to this. Cause I was just gutted by that book. Yeah. Um, and it is a gorgeous cover. It is really great. Um,
1: I think the only one that breaks that rule that I found hang on, I have it right here
2: of course you do
0: i
1: don't care what anyone says this oh, is a beautiful cover it is and this book did not break me sorry for listeners i'm holding up the giant hitchhikers guide to the like the complete ultimate hitchhikers guide to the galaxy and like very nice mine is like this is beautiful mm-hmm. this book didn't ruin me
0: but this yeah. is the exception that proves the rule at least to right. me yes no i can i can understand that because hitchhikers guide to the galaxy is like it's just it's just it's just, it's just comedy is what it is and it's it's very very well yeah. done um yeah. but yeah no to be forged. uh to be taught if fortunate, I think is what you said, Beth, by Beth Becky Chambers. Chambers. Yeah. yeah. That that sounds absolutely wonderful and very much needed um, at certain mm-hmm. points. So, like, yeah. good on you for recommending that to your friends. You're a very yeah, good friend. You're, you're a very you're good friend. A nice
1: friend. <laughs> yes. I think at some point we're going to have to start on these episodes like, have like a little thing at the bottom that's like, these are all the books that we mentioned <laughs> during this recording so
0: that we can yes. keep track. Check <laughs> them out if you dare. <laughs> Yes. yes. Um, <laughs> so the uh so the next question we have is what made you decide to write and publish?
2: Oh foolishness, just naivete <laughs> you know, I didn't know it better. Um uh I I was um uh I got married really, really young. Um and and when you get married, like literally I was like 21. Um and I think when you're in your 20s, you're still growing, like as a person, more, more than any other time, um, I think. Um, and either you know a couple grows together wee, or they grow apart and maybe come back together. I mean, everybody's got their own path and whatnot like that, but there was a particular point in time where I was struggling because I desperately needed some creative outlet And the number of baby blankets I quilted for people in the world, (laughs) like the early nineties. I mean, they're in tatters now I'm sure, but I gifted a lot of people who probably didn't want them with my bad stitching blankets. That was like my out, like, I'm gonna do this. Yes, I feel good about me. And it didn't last. And we moved on to, there was a lot of HGTV watching um, yeah. a lot of DIY stuff, a lot of suitcases and like wooden feet that happened. It was, a, we don't really need to talk about it it happened, I admit to it. It was, it was,
0: it was, a, it was a different period of my life.
2: <laughs> it was, it was a moment. Yes. Through it. Yes. Because I was desperate for this creative outlet. And eventually I was like, you know, I used to write when I was a kid. Why don't I try doing that again? But I'm a grown-up now with a little disposable income. We're going to do it Right. So I signed up for this um, college, uh, community college uh, writing class and I thought I'd go in and we talk English, which had been my favorite subject always. And I got into this class and and what I didn't understand is I had signed up for a workshop, not a class. And they were like, hey, so welcome to the class. You know, you don't have to have a story done today. And I was like, what, (laughs) we have to write a story? And they were like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, maybe he's gonna give us something. He's looking at me and he's like, and Dolson, yeah, next week, you'll be first one to go. (laughs) What, What? okay, because I'm a people pleaser. And I said, okay, and just went about my life um, and panicked for a week because suddenly I had to have a story um, that I I hadn't written in easily a decade like with, and back then it was just for me or whatever assignment. Um, and I turned in this awful story. Um, but it still has all the pieces of the things I still do now. Um, it has, you know, there's, there's a crime. Um, it's, you know, a couple that is, um, at odds really. Um, and, uh, you know, th- there's a disaster of some sort. Um, you know, and I turned in the story and everybody read it and everybody, and you had to sit there and not say anything. Um, and you know, everybody had their two cents and really it was a bad story. Um, but he took the time to like denote all the things that were wrong with it. But he said, okay, this line right here, this line right here. I wish I had written this line. Oh, Oh, okay. And I like took that as like the one thing. You know, usually you remember all the bad things. There was so much bad. I was like, I'm gonna take this one good thing, okay. And I'm not gonna pay attention to any of the rest of it. <laughs> and that is what fed me. So in um, six weeks, when I had another story due, that's what fed into it. And so in that six week time, I read everything I loved read, read, um, you know, like, I was like, okay, let's go again. I'm gonna do this right. I get my foundation right. And you know, I Googled and I like join like places like not long defunct crime space. And, you know, like people like Megan Abbott were in this place. And then I would just like lurk in the corners and I joined like Sisters in Crime and they had like this subgroup called Guppies and they all, you know, all these unpublished people and all these pe- published people and they would just talk about these things And I was queen of the lurkers. I just lurked and I took pieces of it and I, I took them in and read a lot of Dashville Hammett and read some other things and I watched movies because that's my thing. I loved a good movie. I, I grew up on um, old like Thin Man, the Nick and Nora stories, and you know the unfortunate, but still were so great when I was that age, the, the Charlie Chan movies. Um, I mean, Abbott and Costello, like there's elements of all of that is what came out in my early fiction. And, and I turned in a story that ended up being a story that went into all things violent. Mm.
0: Um,
2: I think like the last story came from that time. Um, and I wrote about this woman who killed somebody and she was waiting to get paid. <laughs> that's what came out of that story. And, you know, he, he took this thing and he goes, this is good, you should do more of this. This is your thing. And I went, oh, okay, you know, he has books. Like I took him at his word, so that's what I did. And he's like, you need to get the good at this and then you'll start sending stuff out. I'm like, okay, so that's what I did. And then later, I figured out that it is, uh, it should be a war crime. <laughs> this man like weaponized me and pointed me at the publishing industry and told me, this is how how you become a writer. You need to go acquire these things. You know, you need to go out there and go, you know, you need to have a list of places you're going to go. You need to track all your submissions and rejections are going to come and you're going to be fine. Well, the first story I sent out wasn't rejected. And that ruined me. Because for like four years after that, nothing but rejection. (laughs) So that is my unfortunate story of of getting in. Um, I was foolish and um, I would do a lot of things different, um, but mostly I would just, anybody who wants to write, I tell them the truth. (laughs) It's like when they're saying, is it bad having kids? I mean, what's it really like? I tell them all of it up front, (laughs) you should just know. (laughs) I'm not gonna be like, oh no, they're wonderful. No, 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 and they are, but they also throw up on you, then throw it at you. And then they get older and they talk back to you. And then they tell their friends about you and compare you to your friend's mother. And then they come back. And then when they're 30 almost, they tell you, I'm sorry. That's also what I tell people. I mean, and it's publishing is a lot like that. You write this thing, you love it. You hold it close to your body. It is part of you and you send it out into the world to be savaged. <laughs> and there's nothing you can do about it. Love, baby. <laughs> it's, stay away from it's the people not... talking um, um, push cart. No push, <laughs> stay away from the push cart. There's only sadness there. You're never getting it. Go,
1: it's like what like a mom pushing her baby bird out of the nest but instead of flying and the bird just die
2: off yeah like, yes, like yes. okay yes absolutely that
0: <laughs> oh gosh that that is terribly terribly accurate so like, accurate it hurts like painfully so it's because the thing of it like it's, it's it's like the editing advice that you always get it's like be willing to murder your darlings um you know always we want to cut out the lines that you really love the ones you wrote at like three in the morning and you weren't entirely maybe not sober or conscious or you know whatever the conditions were but like you really love the line you want to stick with it but if it doesn't add to the story you got to kill it and then in the end you still got to be willing to like send it out there to get killed it's like it's mm-hmm. like it's like sending a 14 year old to the trenches in world war one it may not he may not come back but he's got to go out there anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with with your shield or on it mentality i guess i don't know
1: <laughs> my brain went to some real morbid places involving like come back missing a limb like oh man um it's, we should probably move off
2: the war crimes uh tell us about <laughs> yeah. okay. yeah.
0: sorry that me. was a really that was a really bad, it was a really bad <laughs> yeah. that was a really yeah. bad sibling that was a
2: really bad i'm sorry I, I sincerely apologize it's very much on my brain what's happening over in ukraine most currently
0: no, no
1: absolutely for us too yeah Sorry. no
0: so. that's a that's a that's a little bit of a, a a little bit of a dark term but i guess we're, we're here for the tangents um we're
1: going we're going back we're going back to it uh talk <laughs> to us about a day in the life um how do you divide your time between projects and how do you stay motivated if something gets stuck
2: um i'm gonna take that last one first um because i'm living that particular life right now <laughs> um uh I, I have long bouts of, of um, writing block or whatever you want to call it, whatever works for anybody who's listening. But I have long stretches of no writing, of sitting in front of the blank page or, you know, a you know, hundred pages of what I've already written and been like, yeah, this isn't happening and closing out that document and constantly being there. Um, and I really just call my friend and complain about it a lot. Um, that's how I deal with it. Um, um, I have really good supportive friends, um, who were like, no, oh, you just, you'll get back into it. You'll figure it out. And, and I, I have a hard time, um, just setting something aside and maybe coming back to it. Maybe not. It's like, it's not done. So it's like, it's outstanding, like thing that needs to get done on my to-do list. And it's just this, neon light blinking at me every time i think about writing this thing that i've not done Um, and and it's a real problem uh i i have uh, a couple writing friends who are like have you talked to your therapist about it and i'm like who's got time for a therapist but evidently they all do so maybe i should do that um it is really probably a a solid recommendation Um, but it is, I mean, you just kind of have to put your head down and, and find your own way through it. Um, for me lately, these last few years, um, and really, I mean, like since 2017, when All Things Violent came out, um, it is the forced deadline. Me saying yes to a thing, because writing on is a career. Um, whether it's a profitable one or not, but I think of it as a career. It is just as important to me as my day job. Um, so when somebody's like, hey, here's this opportunity, um, I, if I like it enough, I have to say yes. And then I'm like, shit, I have a deadline now. I have to do it because I hate to disappoint people. So <laughs> this is how uh, I get Nikki to write. Um, so we have this thing and I have it, and I will talk about it. I have a friend, Sean, who, um, is in Virginia. So he's like three hours ahead of me. So he'll call me at like, you know, midnight, his time, you know, 2 AM his time. And like, we talk about writing, we'll talk about the problem he's at right now. And we'll talk about where my story's at or where I want it to be at. And really just the act of talking about it is helpful to me. Um, it is, it is, I love to write. I love writing stories. I love being able to do this thing, um, to make them come alive, to write something I think my friend Sean will like, to make him laugh, to make my other friend, you know, you know, stand up and holler like I do for my friends when they've written amazing things. And I know amazing writers who do that all the time. And I'm like, okay, I have to write something at least that good. Like, come on now. <laughs> Um, totally get that. It is, I'm lucky to have a community of writers who I can call friends who are excellent writers who push me to be better. Um, um, I've had, uh, you know, you, when you're starting out and people are like patting you on the back and positive encouragement um, only for years later for them to say, you know, that thing really wasn't that great but she seemed so excited about it. We didn't want to tell you it wasn't great. And I'm all like, Twitch, Twitch, oh, that's good. So, I mean, like, I have to go back and like reevaluate the entirety of my career. And I appreciate the, the positive reinforcement, but not the lie. So, so I have people around me who I am confident are not um, blowing smoke up my ass about it, about something I've given them. I mean, like, literally, I'm always like, I think this sucks, what works in it? anything, nothing, you gotta tell me. <laughs> like, Cause I'm dead serious, I need you to savage this. So I don't go out there and have a story that's gonna make me feel bad about it. Oh, I yeah. think this is great. And really this part that I like so much is great and what came before and came after is really just the most basic, cliched, pedestrian language on the planet. Um, and because I like this part, I think it supports the rest of it. And maybe it really doesn't. And I, I need to know that I am not the most glorious writer. I, I, I do not have the best sentences or anything like that. I think I tell a story that draws you in. If you break down at the sentence structure, there's, there's nothing to look at here, but I think I can create a character and tell you a story that's gonna entertain you. And, and I, need people to understand that's my goal and who say you don't suck (laughs) and this is why you don't suck but this part's not great and be supportive of me like that that's what helps me get through the long dry spells
1: i like that
0: yeah i like Um, that having a a community is incredibly incredibly important and i mean definitely motivates motivates me sometimes or all the time uh, when, when I'm stuck. <laughs> when, some, when someone's giving me a, a deadline, I'm just being like, you have to get this done by this date. I'm just kind of like, well, if I don't do it now. It's not going to get done now, <laughs> so yeah. might as well get moving. 100%. And
1: that's like that was a thing in academia for me. Like When I was doing my master's, I would be writing my paper until the deadline, like 30 pages in a night. Otherwise, it wouldn't happen. Like, mm. it was bad. Um, but yeah, the deadlines are very underrated. <laughs> just like
2: <laughs> and honestly, I most literally I sent off a story last night that is quite nearly three weeks late um, um, because it just wasn't happening. I had like this chunk that I wrote when I was um, sick um, for like all of January. I was homesick with COVID and oh, no. related illness and. Um, and I figured, I, like, I couldn't look at the screen. I couldn't do much anything, but I figured out the voice command in the word on my phone. And so I like talked to myself. I talked out a story. It was like <laughs> 1,600 words. And I was like, yeah, look, who wow. look at it. Ah. And then I saved it and went to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> and then like a week later I did, it was another chunk of story. like, And I saved that and I went to sleep. And then they were like, hey, your story needs to be done too. And I'm like, shit. Yeah, where's that chunk I saved? <laughs> and in that chunk of like, that's really just, you know, none of it makes sense. It's a combination of I was sick and on drugs and the my, my little lisp that gets worse when I'm tired and the program itself, not knowing like how I talk and the combination of those things make this thing just gibberish but there were pieces of it. Like I understood what my gibberish meant and I'm like, oh, okay. So we can just rewrite all of this and just comb it out. That's like how I see it. It's just combing through the sentences to get to that story. And that's what I have been doing um, basically all of February um, because it was due on the 28th. And I was trying to like understand the story I was talking about um, and make it good. I'm like, it'll be this little story. It'll be you know maybe three thousand words because that was the the minimum, and then and then I'm like okay oh no okay maybe it'll hit four look at this, that I hit four great and it'll be all done and I got done and I'm like huh okay I don't yeah I don't I don't know about this so I sent it off and they sent it back oh this kind of works and that kind of works but I think you're trying to do too much and then, all the good stuff all the good stuff and and then I proceeded to tear it all apart again because they were all right and and write it again and it clocked at nearly 6,000 words and I can only hope that it works but it's better than it was um it's it's much better than it was and again I owe everything to those people who read it to me and they're like this whole flashback thing yeah I'm like I know it's my crutch I know I'm sorry (laughs) don't tell anybody you read it like that Please don't tell people you know how I spell when I don't listen to word. Please don't tell anyone.
1: I feel like that is actually the best blackmail material for writers. It's like, I saw your first draft and you're like, ah, no.
2: I have the early draft. <laughs> tell no one. That's
0: that's the point where I'm just kind of like, oh, yeah, by the way, I still have the first draft of that novel you wrote in high school. <laughs> you told me you deleted it. I did delete it. Just calm down. Okay. <laughs> It's in a, it's, aff- it's in a, it's in like, a, it's just whatever. It's just like, but that that is like the best black male material. It's it's not the compromising photos. It's not the possibility someone may have cheated on their spouse or partner or what have you. But it's that, like, I have your first draft. I still no, have it. You I still thought that said. that
1: was good? You thought that that thing was a good idea? Yeah. No, it wasn't, was it?
0: <laughs> and you've learned now, haven't you? You've, you've learned
2: you've, now. You've done no, how,
1: how
2: is that not the plot of some, like, murder movie like you know successful novelist is blackmailed by his old writing partner writing group partner who's got you know he's known for his dark work but look at the joy in these pages look at it it's awful there's a a unicorn he wrote a sappy
0: harlequin romance i have the pages to prove it
2: exactly exactly you know and then all of a sudden like sunset boulevard he's found floating in the pool mm-hmm. I don't know how that happened what are these pages no. oh look the inks all run you can't read anything
1: oh no <laughs> Who
2: knew? what a shame um
1: if either of you guys ever published that you gotta let me know <laughs> <to read it.
2: laughs> writing that
0: but, down uh, <laughs> uh
1: Nikki, you've been you've been published obviously and you've had a successful career so far and you're on track for more success and we love your writing so as you're looking at the literary world and your influences and as you continue to gain notoriety who would you want your work to be compared to or alternatively who would you say your biggest influences are?
2: Um, my biggest influences have, have kind of morphed over the years um, I think as as I've figured out my voice more and what what it is I'm trying to write. Um, I think, uh, you know, Megan Abbott has always been a huge influence on me. Um, her early work, I mean, Queen Pin, Queen Pin was my first love. Like I was like, oh my God, who is this lady who wrote this book? Oh my God. Um, and then Dear me came out and I got to interview her once. Okay, I'm done fangirling, but as you can see- No, by all means fangirl,
0: fangirl. <laughs> Please, oh fangirl.
1: my god, we love the fangirl. <laughs>
2: So, so housing bust happened, um, Nikki lost her job and she and the other uh, members of her family all had to uh, decamp Vegas and go to live in my father's basement in Chicago. So um, where there is Columbia College uh, of Chicago is there. So I'm like, okay, my old life is gone. We have to make a new life. I have three kids. We have to do this, you know, three kids under 10. Like we're, we have to do this thing. Um, so I was like, I'm going to go to school and I did, and I wanted to write, but I also wanted to maybe get an English degree, whatever. Um, there was, uh, uh, an opportunity to, in one of the classes I took to, you know, interview, you know, somebody you respect and, you know, nah, nah, nah. and I was like, oh, look, Megan Abbott has a new book coming out. Dare Me was coming out. And I was like, fuck it. I'm a big girl and i am got a deck on everybody else in my class. Just go for it. So I emailed off to like Little Brown or somebody like that and was like, hi, I'm a student at Columbia College. All true. I just wasn't 20 or 18 or the age they probably thought I was, but think, and I would love if I could interview Ms. Abbott for her new book, Dear Me, Think sent it out in the world, got an email back, sure. They sent me a copy, I devoured it. Um, and I got to interview Megan Abbott. And I said that uncool. it was amazing. She's just the nicest. Um, and uh, um, I got to tell her, you know, that she and I had actually interacted before. And that place I had talked about before, it's called Crime Space back in the day, um, where uh, like, you know, there's these little places that pop up where crime community tends to flock to for a little while anyway. Um, and that was one of the places I talked to her at. Um, when I was writing a piece is what would become all things violent. And I got to talk to her about that and her new book. And just, she's just as nice as she seems. She really, really is. Um, and she was super great with me. And the only regret I have is that the fact that the school never published the interview. <laughs> I sent it off to the oh. they never did. But I think I still have that. Uh, I think we talked for like an hour. I think it's still on my, my old computer but yeah yeah she's just the best and the turnout somehow not somehow she's a magnificent writer but it is so amazingly good the turnout that everybody should read the turnout please read the turnout i'm not going to give you details like any other book just go into the turnout and know that there are ballerinas there is a fire and there is sisters dun, dun, dun. So, <laughs> Anybody who hasn't read it, I it, it's, it was just beyond, it's just beyond. So, but Megan Abbott's huge influence on me. Um, I, I am not at her level, um, but I, I, that's my goal too. Um, more than that, um, you know, writers that I get to talk to these days, um, Sean Cosby, uh, S.A. Cosby, Um, he's my buddy and a magnificent writer and, um, you know, how he writes characters and, and really at the sentence level, how he does that. I really study and try to understand that and apply it to what I do. Um, the same with Amy Hempel, um, uh, uh, Dennis Lehane. Dennis Lehane's short stories are just masterful and I love them. Um, Until Gwen in particular is as my favorite of all time stories. And it is still, again, a high bar for me when I'm like, what am I trying to get at? I'm trying to write something that great. Um, And and I just really, I mean, fiction across the board, when it moves you, when it is, just fiction with just like this huge piece of truth in it is always the stuff that I gravitate to that that leaves me wanting to reread it again um and those are the the writers that at least right now in particular that that um affect my work that's beautiful
0: yeah. <laughs> no, it, it, it really is because it's because one when you get to meet your heroes it's when, when you get to meet your heroes and they don't – and they turn out to be exactly as you picture them to be, yeah. it's incredibly, incredibly enlivening and heartwarming, and it's, it's wonderful.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but then also, like, seeing who you admire, like, particularly when, like, you admire the work of your friends. Like, that, that is, like, also one of the best parts about this gig, um mm-hmm. because you get to see your friends succeed and you get to see like them really show off things that they're good at and that they enjoy and that you get to see them be happy and also be praised for the thing that makes them happy yes. um, Yeah, which is i think
1: what's really good about this part as well kind of neither what you were saying is that you're not this isn't like acting right we're like you're competing for the same parts you're competing for a limited number of roles this is your story's not my story, not his story, not their story. Right. So you can all just celebrate each other's work without saying like, I would have been great at that. Right. Like you can do it too.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I cut Sean in particular, I'm so over the moon. I'm so happy for him. Um, he's worked so hard. Um, on his books, on that career, and, and to see him celebrated for that is just the coolest thing ever. So deserved. Um, and and you know of uh, the people I'm like I have I think we all have you know that competitive streak in us. If if you're a writer, I mean, they can't speak anything else, but I think writers do. Um, it is, will I be as great as I don't know Raymond Carver. Never, but you know you know what I'm saying? Like, will I be that great? Will I be, you know, and then your peers the people that you're in the same age bracket, maybe you came up writing together. Um, I think there is a little bit of a streak of competition there. And I think it can be healthy. And I think we all have that little green monster that comes out when it's like, oh, look at them at the book deal. That's so great. Oh, that's so great for them. Um, um, yeah, you know, it's sure. And I think it's weird for me, but like the one, like I have a writer, he's not my nemesis by any stretch. It's just, I feel some way every time he, they have a new book come out, he has a new book come out. I mean, it's a he, there we go. But, and it's not because we don't write the same thing. He just writes it so fucking well. <laughs> he's so fucking good at it. And I don't know why, um, There's no like, I can't like put my finger on it and say, This is why I feel some way about every time he has a book. I don't feel, I'm not mad at him. I'm not anything but happy for him. It's just this weird gut feeling of, You could do more in your life, lady. You should do more. (laughs) It's like, Look at what he's doing and look at what you're doing. Ah,
1: ah. Oh, totally. I, there was a, I was like looking through Twitter. And I just kept seeing all these acceptances, people being like, I got a full manuscript request. I just got my agent. I got these short stories, blah, 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 blah. I was feeling really crappy. And then someone posted, they were like, huh, look at you. Sit, like, and it was someone literally having the same thing of like me looking at all of the acceptances. Why haven't I been accepted anywhere? oh i actually have to write the thing don't i like i actually have to do the writing it's not gonna write itself like oh okay cool or like when's the last time you submitted somewhere like you could pretend like when, when are you gonna get on that and i was like uh-huh, this is entirely my fault like,
0: <laughs> i i did not come here to have you people tell me the truth
1: <laughs> i just wanted to be irrationally angry for reasons i could totally control how dare you <laughs> exactly <laughs>
0: there, there are just some moments you just you just you want to be angry because you really have nothing else to do and anger passes the time
1: uh <laughs> anger passes the time spites the motivator right like i was just still in anger mode i wasn't ready to move to spite which is like fine god damn it i'll send
2: <laughs> <laughs> i've that that I to do something. in particular i've very much been there and i i just i think i realized that for the, the people that I was around a lot, those writers that I talked to in that community, whether they were my friends or just, you know, the degrees of separation, we were all in the same big bubble. Um, it's like, I've gotten over so many feelings like that. Like, you know, what it is to be a writer and we're at different stages and I get all that. I understand all that. And I am genuinely happy for everybody. But there's just this, like I said, this lingering, like this one person, like I hold up as like, this is obtainable you're never fucking getting there though what are you doing with your life (laughs) like this this is just me in my head um and honestly i think this is the most i've ever talked about (laughs) even to sean so i mean i'm just um yeah i tell sean everything i don't even think i've talked about this stuff like it's just this weird it's the thing i can't quite shake, and i don't like i this person writes novels I have yet to really pull off a traditional novel. All Things Violent is a really um, six, eight short stories. That's how it was put together. That's how it was sent out. And then it kind of got chopped up in the process um, to make it more traditional novel, but it's very episodic. And a traditional novel, my definition of that, I have not written that thing. And this person does it like it's, tuesday night ah, i'll do that real quick ah here you go you know look at me i'm big in france I'm big in Germany. I'm I'm just like look at this word doc that i haven't touched since october and i can't do anything with it but it's a book i know it um
0: feel that way
2: I feel, <laughs> oh it
1: hurts the accuracy hurts
0: i feel that so so much like there's there's people who can toss off a novel between like doing laundry and doing the dishes and i'm just like i have to make those edits i can only make those edits at four in the morning am i willing to get up at four in the morning some days yes some days no am i willing to set the computer at four in the morning every day no um
1: we've talked to these people we have talked to these people that will just write thousands of words a day will get up at the crack of dawn and be like I'm gonna get three hours in and then I'll like send my kids off to school and then I'll get another three hours in and then I'll like do my five different day jobs and then do more and I was just like
0: how like, are you like how
1: are this you is not in on my talks? control and this feels so not in my control and I hate you but I'm so disgustingly impressed by you like what are you uh, yeah anyway
2: yes there is this brief section of my life where I wrote like that like I would uh, get up in the morning. I would write real quick. i get ready, go to bed. Hey, everybody up. Okay, good, good, good. And I'd go to work and I'd work and work. Oh my God, that's a good idea. Post-it note. I yep. would yep, go back I, to work, at work. lunchtime. <laughs> <laughs> Come home. I would leave work at five and uh, home was half hour away. So if I left at five, that means I would get to the, the Barnes and, uh, no, the Borders bookstore uh, up the street from my house. And I could write there for an hour and a half. I would set a timer on my phone. I had a yellow legal pad and I would just write for an hour and a half and go, and zone. (laughs) Like that gift of like permit, like flailing at the typewriter. That was me every day for a summer, writing all things violent. That is how that book got written. Like it was this part, like I have never been happier as a writer than that particular moment of time. Like it was blissful. The words came and then I would go home and write up all the pages I just wrote. And we'd regret it. And then I would like crash at like 2 AM because I was dead tired because I'd been going, but it was bliss and I can't do it now. I am old.
1: (laughs) The only time I ever wrote like that was when I was doing my master's thesis dissertation. I didn't want to write my master's thesis dissertation. So I'd sit in a coffee shop with a pile of books and write a novel instead. That was the only time that that happened.
0: I, I had a streak like that actually in 2020 2020 part and then like 2021 was like a long, a long stretch of like being very, very productive, where the normal things I'd do in the evening were not possible for me to do in the evening. Therefore I had nothing to do but write. Um hmm. and I would go like these long stretches of like doing like like having like ideas, getting them pumped out, having ideas, getting them pumped out. Like I was like working on the I was working on a novel. I was like editing it kind of as I went, and then late 2021 hit I don't know exactly what like cracked in my head but all that productivity just went down the drain and I'm still trying to like call it back up from the depths of whatever dark recess of my soul it's crawled away into um so there was
1: a moment in time in 2020 2021 even 2019 where you were sending me short stories a lot like often, and I felt so, I was, you were me, whereas or you were, you were my, that version for me, where it was just like, how dare you be so productive? Well, I have not.
0: You have, you have to understand, like, at that point in my life, I legitimately had nothing but work and writing, like, mm-hmm. mo- like keeping, like, I don't want to say keeping me alive, because that's a little bit of a hyperbole, but keeping me sane, like, I had yeah. nothing, I had nothing but work and writing to, to keep me to keep me as a functioning human being because otherwise i would have just gone off the complete rails like for for reasons for reasons you're aware of like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so um but yeah I'm no just, i'm
1: just giving you shit because like all of your stuff was so good and i was just like wow how dare he, how dare he?
0: <laughs> we, we 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 like trade off roles as either like we spitefully we we're spiteful of the other person but we also are like their hype man yeah. Like we, we trade off which one is which and it's 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 fun at times but it's just kind of like then like a, other parts just kind of like damn it why is she successful oh because God you want it, her to be talented successful.
2: son of a bitch <laughs> look at her doing all so this work and i'm not look at this <laughs>
0: Why, why are you, why are you so good at this thing I wanted you to be good at? Damn
2: it.
1: How dare you? How dare you have pieces, like, accepted that I helped you edit and gave you hype for? Like, how dare you?
0: (laughs) Yep. How dare you? How dare all of you? Um.
1: (laughs) Back on you. um, Did you want to give us a little bit of a lead-in to uh, a piece of part of your work that you wanted to read for
0: us?
2: Oh, um. You know what let's really be bold how about we read the thing i just sent off okay
0: it works for us yeah give us a little bit of a lead and tell us what it's about and then uh yeah let us oh, know
2: yours. so i have a couple it's gonna go badly um <laughs> to no surprise if anybody who's ever read my work um uh she is there is a woman named molly who is dealing cards in vegas um at a poker game in a uh off strip hotel that is uh closed for renovations and she's dealing cards and she's dealing cards because she wants her slice of the american dream with her boyfriend and um the game gets busted up because somebody comes to steal from it um and she knows the guy (laughs) (laughs) so uh let's see molly Okay. Molly's last job. Um, The mood in the room was good. There was a pleasant murmur of conversation, the clink of ice going into a glass, the sound of some woman's laughter, that special laughter that said, yes, I'll be fucking you later. The whispered buy me this purse and I'll blow you in the john. There were no wives here, no girlfriends either. Tonight the men were sans companions or there with mistresses. These were the ones who never talked these part-time women who never wanted a man for good just for now a man with a thick wallet and time to kill a guy for the rough days for the weeks when they had to choose between rent or food or the light staying on i used to be one of them when i turned 32 i realized i hadn't figured out the trick of being happy alone like the long-term mistresses i wanted someone to share the weight of life someone for the everyday not just on Tuesdays and every third Friday night. Then I met William H. Acosta and decided to only get dressed up for him, to only stay out late with him. Billy and me, we had plans. All we wanted was our piece of the American dream, a house to call our own, maybe a dog, maybe a kid. Just a few small dreams realized. There was a price, but if you worked hard and sacrificed, you could pay for it. Billy worked on a landscape crew for too many hours a day, cutting grass and trimming palm trees. And we each had side hustles that stole a chunk of our time from us too, but it was all worth it, wasn't it? I told myself it was when I freshened my lipstick in the hotel's bathroom mirror before I went to deal cards. At least I got to sit down while I did it. And I wasn't in a casino uniform consisting of a white shirt, black vest and polyester pants or excuse me, black pants, all of it polyester. Tonight, I looked fuckable in a t-shirt with a low cut neckline and tight jeans, I was fun to look at and maybe I'd get an extra tip from the winner. With all this, with this money, we could, Billy and I, sleep easy for a month, even set aside money for our down payment too. I dealt the cards, the blinds were paid and there was a pile of cash in the middle of the table, more money than I had ever seen outside the casino. Then the hotel room door burst open and two guys with shotguns appeared their faces hidden behind black masks. The lead guy yelled for everyone to keep their hands above the table and pointed the double bear shotgun he held at the head of the man closest to the door, the one closest to me. Everyone at the table did his asked. One of the wannabes fainted. He hit his head on the table with a thud as his body slid off the chair and onto the floor. The other guy with the shotgun didn't say a word. He gestured the barrel to herd the women over to the fallen player and around the table to a spot behind me. Your phone's and wallet on the table, the lead guy said. I heard one of the women burble something about her purse. All of our purses were back behind the bar in the corner. I almost said I'd go get them, but then something about the silent guy distracted me. He was familiar somehow, the way he walked, the shape of his shoulders, the narrowness of his hips. When you fuck a guy for years, you notice these things. There comes a point where you could pick a shadow out. It was my Billy holding that shotgun. But still i thought no he hasn't done this to me he wouldn't but of course he had i started to cry just a flash flood of tears down my face and dripping off my chin it was so bad that the guy with the shotgun to his head reached out to pat my arm and i'll stop there because i'll just keep going
1: <laughs> i love that the robber is so sad for her <laughs>
0: That's an excellent excellent start to the story. I really want to see what I really I really hope this gets accepted so I can read the rest of it. Um, you have to keep
2: us updated. Yeah, yes. I will. It's for an anthology, so it'll be hopefully out there. Um, like you said I was 3 weeks late, so he easily could be like, you know, this is fine, but we've moved on from you and I would just be upset, but I deserved it. So, um, Colin, if you're listening, I really am sorry. It's <laughs> really bad. I worked really hard on it though. And I hope you like it. I really <laughs> like a
1: shout out to mom on TV. Like I'm sorry to my editor. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Truly. Um, I mean,
0: I, I would like to think that when you shout out your mom on TV, it's uh, you're not you're not apologizing for something, unless you know you know you never know. Like there there are. Lot... Write... What? Yeah. I... kind of stories that we write? I mean that—that's valid. I'm, like, don't get me wrong. My mother is concerned by what I write, but that I'm, I'm not on TV. So, um, and I hopefully <laughs> never will be. Um, uh, but yeah, everyone's got like the 15 minutes of fame. Uh, but so the, one of the things that I, one of the things that like I was really kind of curious about, because like we have like we have like kind of like the set questions that we ask everyone, but there was something in particular that I noticed about your work, and I kind of I, I saw it kind of after thinking about all things violent Mm -hmm. and then also thinking about love and other criminal behavior, there's one of the things you write very, very well that I, I, that I've seen done, but done poorly, or at least in a way that's not very engaging Mm -hmm. is you write about women who are often torn between doing something uh doing something that can be considered easy and doing something that puts them in danger but they're doing it for another person they're doing it for um, the love of another person whether that's um, whether that was the protagonist in all things violent uh, mm-hmm. where she actually, she's actually willing to go against the hitman that is teaching her uh, teaching her and like inducting her in a life like and she knows that if she goes against him she's gonna end up dead most likely or some of the protagonists also in uh love another criminal behavior uh particularly i think it was kendra like the the you had a, yes the boxer yes where it's like you like you see like these things of women who are sacrificing themselves for the love of another person and i was always kind of i was really kind of wondering is that how do you go about adding such such depth and such nuance to to some of like to to those characters that you write because the the situations are always real but they never feel melodramatic they never feel drawn out just for the sake of drama like they just feel as like this is just the fact of life Mm -hmm. so i've always kind of wondered like how exactly like how exactly did you go about
2: that um i guess the real answer is that for a long time, when I'm writing them, they're very much me, and you know, through revising, they get less like me. But I'm always like, what if I'm this person? What do I want? Um, um, and and I can be very unforgiving to myself, um, but also, I think I want things. I I, I want. Um, um, companionship. And I want, um, you know, a lot of those stories were written really early on. And I'd say, you know, I wanted my marriage to work. I wanted my relationship with that person to work. I wanted, um, I, I would have done anything to to have pulled that off. Um, and those feelings of this is what I want, this is, it doesn't matter if it's what it's supposed to be or what it's supposed to look like, this is the thing that I want. And I think these women often all share that like this, this drive to have what they want um, because they feel they've been denied or, or um, they're not assuming a traditional position. Um, in the world. And that world says that you should look like this and you should behave like this and you should want these things and not those things. Um, um, I think that's why so many of them are just flat out rule breakers and why they, um, you know, Kendra the boxer in particular, you know, I think there's a line in there about how she was happy when she finally got a scar in her eyebrow because then she was less womanly by that definition um, um, you know he you know her her manager would stop you know trying to make her you know the woman who boxes instead of just a boxer um, they all want something and i know that feeling so desperately <laughs> like i i know it i i lived it and they are very much me um, and i pour my general feelings about that into them. Um, and as the story teases out from that, I understand more about who they are and, and what they want past that. I'm like, it's, it's, it's always my fear that I've made them exactly the same woman. I've just given her different clothes in each story, but I, I, I know they all have some kind of that similar foundation of, I want love and what will I do to keep it or um, move on from it? Because sometimes it is letting go that that is the thing you have to do. Um, and what does that mean? Um, and especially in later work, as I've come out of my marriage, it's really what does that mean to let go from the idea of who you're supposed to be? Um, and I think they all in their own way kind of struggle with that identity of who they're supposed to be um and you know coupling up with somebody uh, whether you marry them or just walk in life with them it changes the way the the world looks at you um, you become you know so-and-so's girlfriend you know you don't have a name for some people you're just so-and-so's girlfriend or you're so-and-so's mom um or you know i'm You know, when, when I see people who know my father, you know, you're Donnie's girl, aren't you? Ah," you know, and I'm like, I am a whole individual person aside that, but no, no, it's fine. (laughs) And these women are consistently, um, that is where I put a lot of those feelings in. Um, And then try to like edit myself out more and more as, as I've gotten more experience writing. I edit myself out of that a little bit more, but initially they are very much me and they have my wants and needs and desires. Um, And then, you know, applied to whatever situation, because sometimes she just wants the money.
1: (laughs) I think one of the things I really appreciate about the way that you write female characters as well is that I think a lot of times in crime fiction, there is a trap that authors, particularly male authors fall into, which is women in stories exist as plot devices. Yes. And it's the, you threaten my family, therefore, and it's not that the family has a personality, the family or like the wife and daughter or whatever. It's like, you took my daughter. The daughter has nothing to do, like no agency, right? It's just a plot point. Mm -hmm. And I think the way that you write within those kind of like fighting for whatever, it's, you're making people who are three-dimensional and want and are fighting for something that is also three-dimensional even if the three-dimension is money like that's that's a three-dimensional object right it's not just like there's something there beyond just i want the thing violent reaction to wanting the thing
2: mm-hmm. and seen you know yeah um I'm, I'm glad i'm glad that works for you um, i i you know i was there's a story that I love that's been published exactly in one place and it doesn't exist anywhere else. Um, because I, I think I like the setup and what it, the vibe of it, if I can go there, (laughs) it, it, it very much, um, it has a male protagonist and there is a, uh, a woman in it and he describes her like, every book I read at that time. It's how men describe women. Uh, It's about her uh, attributes, um, the way she looks, the way she walks in the room, Um, because that was very much what I thought a story had to do. Um, And I I cop to that, Um, but I, at some point, I think I just understood, I'm like, it's your story you can write it however you want why do they have to be that way um occasionally i i do take like i have there is a character in the story i just read from who doesn't actually do a whole lot he's just kind of there and maybe that's not great but it also it's not his story it's not his story um and i don't need him to do anything except um walk around and be pretty sometimes. I I don't (laughs) and it's not right. But I mean, like, it's not, I feel like, I hope anyway that not every story I write is like that. But um, as I've gotten away from male protagonists um, as the character I'm writing, because again, it was very much the the default I had set. Like that's what the books were reading. That's what I was reading. That's what I thought um, was wanted. And it only occurred to me later. I'm like, well, what if I just make a woman in this spot? And everything's the same. And that was all things violent, really. Mm -hmm. Um, um, I wanted to write my version of Lawrence blocks Keller. I wanted to write my version of, you know, spade. I want, you know, like that. And I just happened to give her a knife because she needed a job. Really. (laughs) But but the, the men that populate the world of the women I write about are important often because they, the I think the women talk about them because they're in love with them. And I think you speak highly of the people you're in love with. I think you talk a lot about them, um, maybe too much, if you listen to some of the reviews I've gotten, um, <laughs> but but it's who they are to these women is so important that they have to be fully realized. Um, outside of that dynamic, those two people, they might run a little flat, but if they're the person my character cares about, they need to fully, exist and the just be as well-rounded as I can make them um um and there
1: have been studies about uh how men talk about the women in their lives versus how women talk about the men in their lives Mm -hmm. and it's that women when asked like oh describe your partner Mm -hmm. to me right it'll be They're intelligent, they're musical, they're creative. I love how they do this. I love that they like doing that, blah, blah, blah. And men will describe women. Again, disclaimer, this is not an all men. This is like, I'm in the survey, whatever. Majority of men described women as to what they provided for the men what value they like what they did for them right so it was like oh she looks after me she cleans for me she cooks for me she takes care of my kids she's a good mother versus like anything about them as a person yeah it was just this is what they do for me and I think that that's what I mean when I say like you're giving me a three dimensional character because you're giving me a reason why they like these people Mm -hmm. beyond just like he's a provider i guess you know like it's not that kind of superficial level
2: yes i get what you're saying yeah um i'm glad i i I don't (laughs) it's 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 (sighs) the way that ollie should be but i mean i also know i mean i have a story that i used to tell about my ex um cause it's an actual thing he said and it's not really meant to be mean, but you know, it was tongue in cheek at the time, but he was like, you know, I mean, look at her ass. That's why I married her. Ah! Um, and that's not all I was to him and it's not all I think he thought of me, but it's a thing I think about even now when, I, when I'm writing, how that's the funny thing that I chose to tell people that he said about me. Um, not that he said it, but that, that was the thing that I chose to remember um, because it's funny and it was a good mask about what our problems were. Um, and, and that um, is a thing I would definitely stick in a story. And then and revision, I would be like, well, that is not all that man is and that's not fair to, to, to him. I try to be fair. Um, and I, um, yeah, sorry. Again, I just oh. drug it down, didn't I? I no, I think you, that's, that's like a really fine. common
1: thing. Like, honestly, I just to li- like, to if you did want to lift it back up, there was a terrible episode of American Dad that tackled <laughs> that where, no i'm going somewhere with this i promise um if Fran- C- stan was saying t- about francine the two main characters in the show that she's pretty and he literally says that's why i married her and she's like there's got to be something else mm-hmm. and he's like nope and she's like think of anything else and he's like nope and this is like supposed to be like a funny cartoon so she just stops taking care of herself she stops doing her workout she stops doing whatever And they're supposed to like renew their wedding vows and he like runs away and then it turns out that she only married him so that he could be a provider for her and at Mm -hmm. the end they're like we got married for very shallow reasons but like at least we admit it and it works so like let's not break it but is that very much just plain straight no i married you because you're pretty
0: like i don't think that
1: that's an uncommon no
0: thing yeah it's 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 not i think um it's I mean, to me, it's, 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 it's odd to think, of it's odd to think about it that way, but yeah, I mean, the, the other thing about it is, you're, you're talking about, like, the way that your characters are fully realized in, in their relationships, and like, how they, how they relate to each other, I think it also is that, that shows the point of, like, it shows the point of view of your main protagonists, like, very, very well, because when you're in a relationship with someone, is that, like, they take up the majority of, of your view, like, the vast majority of, like, the way you like kind of interact with everyone else, the way that you interact with your work, with your, with your hobbies, like it, it changes because you're with another person, Mm -hmm. um, for better or for worse. So the, the way that you're like fully fleshing these characters out, um, adds that even more. it, It shows how like they're changing or they're shifting because they're with this person or because they care about this other person. Um, to, to be with someone means that you change at least a little bit, um, sure. at least from my perspective, so. Yeah.
2: No, for sure.
1: As long as we don't start breaking out into that one song from Wicked. Anyway, emotions so cool. aside. Um. <laughs> talk, talk to us about the story that you were reading from. You said that it was for the anthology, kind of like what inspired it and like where, yeah, like just talk to us a little bit of the context of it.
2: Um, The parameters. Uh, we, we had some parameters we had to fit into, um, but the one that kind of drove it was, it was, you know, the, the pitch was getaway driver. And I was like, in in okay, wait, what else do I need to know? What, what, what? Yeah. Um, but I don't, they were like, no, we would like it if you like drove, like had an action scene in there or something like that. I'm not good at that. That's like, I, I, I've not reached that level in my personal research to like, try to level up to like car scenes. Um, car chases or anything like that um so so we have a very thrilling hotel room but no (laughs) getaway driver and they are um you know that portion that I read when she recognizes him you know ultimately uh they she leaves that place and goes to go home and he pulls up next to her and he's like we gotta go. And she's like, fucking duh, what have you done? And they get in the car and they go and it is them, um, in a car for a while, just, um, like she's just having this meltdown, um, (laughs) of just like, we worked, we worked for this thing that we wanted. This is about, it was about the money, about having these things, this little slice of, uh, you know, the American dream. We have to work to get that. We have to do these things. And, he is all about the shortcut. And, Mm. you know, there are no shortcuts without money. And he's like, we don't have any money. And he's got tired of working for it. So he did this thing and he blew up her life. He blew up their life, but um, he blew up her life. She had a life that she liked. And um, it's really I, I think it is, <laughs> let's hope it comes through that it's really about, um, is it enough to just be in love? Is that gonna be enough to, to get you through? Um, Cause you can love somebody and still be like, you are fucking up everything. I cannot be around you. I love you, but I cannot be around you. Like there's no fixing this. And I think that's where she's at. That's where Molly's at um and and it was supposed to be about billy and it became her story so molly's last job <laughs> uh, instead of billy's last last ride it's molly's last job those are my working titles so um, Love it. But yeah
1: well i think it's the same concept of like whoever said that money doesn't buy happiness didn't have to worry about money yes it's, right it's that kind of idea
2: yes yeah. money money will not fix everything but oh my god does it make everything easier
1: it helps it certainly <laughs> yeah. helps
0: it doesn't uh it, do- it doesn't fix everything but you know what it's a lot better to cry with the, it's a lot better to cry in your apartment with the lights on than cry when you're when you when your power is out and you're homeless like
1: i'd yeah. rather cry in a luxury vehicle Than, like, yes, on the MTA. I
0: mean, I'm I'm sorry. I can never cry on a luxury vehicle. I'd be too worried about like the salt stains on the leather.
2: I'd be like, (laughs) I got to be ready
0: to resell this thing.
2: The resale value. Money means that you can worry about a resale value. Yes. You can yes. pay somebody to detail that for you.
0: Yes. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> that's that's the real that's the real sign of well. It's just like I don't care if I cry in this thing because I can get someone to have it fixed. <laughs> then I'll sell it later. Oh my I, God.
2: Like me when when the housing bus happened and you know, my family of five had to go live in my dad's basement, essentially in Chicago. Um, In Hazel South suburbs. But um, that version of me um, who was making (laughs) $14 an hour um, in a whole different adjacent industry, but a different industry than I had been working in where I made enough to take care of everybody and my husband's work um, was yay, we have more money in the house to $14 an hour and like, I had convinced myself, I was never gonna make more than 30 grand a year ever again. Um, like, you know, I figured I'd be lucky if I hit 30 really. And I was like, okay, we are gonna make our peace with that. And then I got the call like, hey, we're getting the band back together. You wanna come get your old job? And I was like, okay, see you, let's go, <laughs> everybody back up. Because the difference is like, I may still be just as broke in theory, um, but, Uh, there's a car, there's, I'm not in anybody's basement. I, the lights are on, you know, it's all of these things are different. It's all, you know, subjective, but it's, it's this version of broke is better than that version of broke by a mile. Uh, And money makes that happen. I work just as hard for that $14 an hour as I work now for what I make now. And the difference to my life is just, Immense.
0: yeah uh-huh. it was it was it was kind of the exact same thing like I, i've i've a lot of people that have like a, a very similar kind of viewpoint um and then I've, I've met some out here in dc where they were thinking it's like what was it it was they had the attitude of oh i i just got an apartment by myself i don't care if like it gets more expensive i'm not i'm not getting a roommate again i'm just kind of like listen, like there are certain points where you're going to have to make like some sacrifices yeah. just because that, that way it's easy for you to keep the lights on or to like complete some other, like something else that you like want mm-hmm. while still like having some sort of like base level here. It's like every, like there were people who were like in one of my offices, they were just kind of like, why do you have roommates? Like you, you make like decent money. Why do you like, why do you have roommates? And, like have other people like all up in your business? I'm just kind of like, Listen, because that way it's easier for me to keep the lights on and have food in the fridge. Mm-hmm. I, I can't have both if I'm living by myself. Yes. So. Yes. Yeah. Um, but is. The money, money, is the most like it, it's a, it's a very complicated thing because you know sometimes like the love of money can like drive you nuts, but you have to admit that you always need it.
2: Yes. And, it is yeah. that neat. And yeah. finding out that point where you can just have just exactly what you need and not have to worry about it is really always a moving target you know yeah i mean yeah. look at gas prices right now i mean oh, it's just uh, like man, no, doing I, uh, that math and i'm like you know it might be cheaper for me just taking uber every day this week huh to and from okay
0: <laughs> but yeah no we've so i think we're coming up to the end of like our, our allotted time but nikki <laughs> it's been fantastic to talk to you like thank you so much for coming on board
2: oh, thank um, you both so much for having me yeah,
0: it's, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure.
2: about all the
1: philosophical things. <laughs> Many highs and lows.
2: The hard truths of children and writing. Yes. <laughs> That's
0: the title of this episode. <laughs> yes, it is. All right. Um, but in the meantime, uh, please, anyone who has uh, work that they would like us to promote or work that they would like us to um, edit on the show, please email us at uh, darkwaterspodcast at gmail.com. Please like comment subscribe uh share this with uh share this podcast with your friends via your favorite podcast um or uh streaming service whether it's spotify or apple podcast please rate us on apple podcast or on spotify um if you please check out anything that nikki dolson has ever as ever written um again Vautrin, uh she was in Thuglit tough she's got uh love and other criminal behaviors and all things violent those are both out. We'll right link now. all these things yes very much so And in the meantime, please always remember to look beneath the surface. Thank you everyone.
1: Bye guys.